Why don't we start today with some Florida trivia. I'm thinking of a man who searched for sunken treasure off the coast of Florida for 16 years. Finally, in 1973, he found a Spanish galleon by the name of Atocha. $450 million worth of gold, silver, emeralds, precious jewels. What is that man's name? Mel Fisher. Mel Fisher is that treasure hunter. He's got the Mel Fisher Museum in Sebastian. If you like to look at gold like I do, go up there. Or he's got one in the Keys as well. Mel Fisher. Yeah, that's right. Every self-respecting Floridian should know that. And he passed away 20 years ago. How much of that treasure did he leave behind? All of it. All of it. Here's what I know about treasure. It's usually found by people who are looking for it. Very rarely, on very few exceptions, if you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it. Now, Jesus told us how to find treasure as well. And not the kind that we have to leave behind when we die. The kind that we can send on ahead and that's waiting for us in the next life. And in this sermon series, Greater Reward, we're talking about the rewards of Jesus and his teaching on that subject. For instance, Jesus was invited to a hoity-toity dinner with a bunch of elites. After he'd watched them jockeying for position around the table, this is what he said in Luke 14, 10. He said, sit down in the lowest place for whoever exalts himself will be humbled and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So all the power players there that day might have flinched, but Jesus was not done yet. In verse 12, he says, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, brothers, relatives, or rich neighbors, because they might invite you and you would be repaid. Awkward. In other words, next time you give a dinner host, don't invite any of the people that you invited today. And he continues, when you host a banquet, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, or blind, and you will be blessed. All right, so he's not being super critical. He's trying to tell them how you can get something. You can get a blessing. We understand that. When you help somebody who cannot pay you back, like you're with it, you took a trip with your family, and you're out on the interstate, and you pull off to McDonald's, and you get everybody a happy meal. You also get a happy meal for the homeless guy who's outside of McDonald's sitting there by the door, and you give him that, and he rewards you with a big toothless smile. And then you get inside your car and you go on your way and everybody's got that warm, fuzzy feeling inside. It's a blessing. We get that. But that's not what Jesus is talking about, is it? Because he finishes up and he says, you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So now no one can misunderstand what Jesus is talking about. This is a reward that you get after you are dead for something you did in this life, something you did in this life. Not everything that we do in this life is rewarded in this life. That's important to understand. A lot of people might get a misconception. They say, here I am, I'm following Jesus, I'm sacrificing, I'm being faithful, I'm doing the best that I can, and we're struggling financially in my family. Everybody else seems to be doing okay. Why are we struggling? Because not all of the rewards come in this life. In fact, most of the rewards that Jesus taught about and the most important rewards are all in the future and in the next life. So that's our sermon series. Last week, we stepped back. We took the 30,000-foot view, got the big picture. Today, I want to continue talking about God and His rewards by asking and answering three questions. Question number one, what are we talking about when we say reward? What does God mean by reward? 
So we want to briefly do a word study here. I want to show you the two primary words that Jesus uses and the rest of the New Testament when talking about God's reward. The first one is misthos in the, in the ancient Greek language, M-I-S-T-H-O-S, misthos, which equals wages. For instance, in Luke 6, 23, Jesus said, Rejoice in that day and leave for joy, for indeed your wages are great in heaven. That's the word misthos. Matthew 28, Jesus is telling a parable. He says, call the laborers and give them their wages, their misthos. Paul in 1 Timothy 5.18, the laborer is worthy of his wages. That's misthos. That's the first word. The second word that Jesus uses is apodidomai. Apodidomai is a combination. There's a prefix and a suffix. The apo means back. Didomai means to give. So you put those two together and it means to give back or to repay. Luke 14, 14, Jesus said, you will be blessed for you shall be given back in return. Apodidomai, at the resurrection of the just, you shall be repaid. So understand, this is going to help us in a lot of things, especially next week when we talk about the judgment. This is going to help us understand a lot of things. That the Bible makes a clear distinction between that which is a gift from God and that which is our wages or payback from God. The gift of God is eternal life. Ephesians chapter 2. We are saved by grace. That word grace literally means gift. We are saved by grace through faith, not by works. That salvation, Paul says, is the gift of God, not by works. So that's a gift. But the reward that we get on top of eternal life, on top of our salvation in the next life, the reward is wages and it's based on works. Paul writes in Romans 4, 4, when people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. Now, in the context there in Romans chapter 4, Paul is differentiating between salvation and rewards. Our salvation, he says, is a gift. It's not wages, but the rewards our wages. If you go into your boss at the end of the week, some of you may be already retired and you're living on Social Security. I understand that. My in-laws are as well. Pam and Robert were with us a couple of weeks ago. They're retired. And I made mention, this has been great visiting together, but I now have to go to work because I have to support you people. And they said, oh no, Steve, you're not supporting us. We work for that. We paid into Social Security. That's owed to us. I stand corrected. And a lot of folks here are still working. Now, when you're done with work for the week, you're done mowing grass or you're done roofing houses or you're done selling things or teaching little children or taking care of the seniors or whatever it is you people do. When you're done and you go into the boss at the end of the week and he hands you an envelope and it's got a check in it, does he say, there you go, this is my gift to you, you're welcome? No. You say, what are you talking about, your gift to me? I work for this. I earn this. This is my wages. That's a very clear distinction that we make between gifts and wages. It's a clear distinction in the Bible. So we know there's a differentiation being made there. All right, number two, what kind of a life does God reward? We're asking and answering three questions today. Here's the second question. So what kind of a life does God reward? Chris Gardner was a medical equipment salesman in San Francisco in 1982. Business was not good. He could barely make ends meet. Had a little toddler son that he was taking care of and supporting. He went through a period where things were so bad that he was homeless. He lived, he was homeless for a whole year, he and his son. 
Now today, it seems like half of San Francisco is homeless. She said, just pitch a tent on Main Street with everybody else. But back in 1982, it wasn't like that. So he's trying to find a place to sleep at night. He slept in hotels and flop houses, on buses, empty apartment or um, office buildings. He slept in the BART train station in San Francisco in a restroom on the floor with the restroom door locked with his little son. A turning point came for him, Chris Gardner, when he noticed one day a well-dressed man getting out of a Ferrari, heading into a beautiful office building. He approached that man and said, excuse me, sir, may I ask you, what do you do for a living? And that man said, I'm a stockbroker. And Chris Gardner from that moment on said, I'm going to be a stockbroker. That's what he set his sights on. So he began looking for a job. He found an internship program with Dean Whittier, unpaid, but he went at it. He worked it. He won a position at Dean Whittier. He became successful as a stockbroker, started his own stock brokerage, became a rich man, told his story to the Wall Street Journal. It was published in 1982. There was a movie based on his life. Will Smith was the star. What was the name of that movie? The Pursuit of Happiness. The Pursuit of Happiness. A good movie. Recommend a real good movie. Loosely based on that true story. Now, here's what I want you to remember about Chris Gardner. He found the profile of a person who is rewarded in this life with material rewards. By and large, all things being equal, if you get that job, you work hard at it, you get some breaks, you might well be rewarded, high probability in this life with material rewards. He found that profile and he pursued it. There is a profile in the Bible of a life that God rewards. Now, there's not an exhaustive checklist, but I want to go over seven, seven things that are specifically mentioned in Scripture that God will reward, pay back, mystos, apodidomai, in the future. These seven things, they all start with an S. Number one, seeking, seeking God. For instance, through fasting and praying. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I was preaching back in Virginia. There was a lady there who had been attending church for years, but she, her health got to where she was a shut-in. She had to stay home, and eventually she was bedridden. I was visiting with Joyce, and she said, Steve, I just, I'm so frustrated. I can't work in the church like I used to. All I do is lay here and pray. And I said, well, how much do you pray? She said, I pray like half the day, and sometimes if I can't sleep, I pray half the night. And I, was, I said, let not your heart be troubled. And I shared with her this passage because not only is prayer one of the most important works that you can do in the kingdom of God, it is one of those things that God will reward. Seeking after God. When you are getting with God, don't miss that opportunity to pray, to fast, to seek the Lord. He's watching and will reward. Number two, submitting. Submitting in this context at work, doing a good job at work, submitting to that boss, even if that boss seems like a slave driver. Paul preached, or, uh, Scott preached on Labor Day from this passage. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7, was written to literal slaves. Paul says, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. The Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Read an article on quiet quitting. You heard that term, quiet quitting. That, that estimated 50% of the workforce in America right now is doing quiet quitting, which is just doing the minimum at work to keep from getting fired. <clears throat> that's not what the Bible teaches, and that's not what God rewards. When Jesus, in his teaching, 
Israel was occupied by Rome. So legally, if a Roman soldier said to a Jew, Jew, carry my pack, he had to carry it for one mile, and then the Jew might drop it down and scowl at the Roman soldier and walk away. But what did Jesus say to do? What? Carry it another mile. So that, that phrase has entered our vernacular. It's called going the extra mile. And this is what God expects of us at work. Uh, employees ought to, employers ought to be looking desperately for Christians to hire because the Christians work that hard. Well, God is watching that, even if the employer may or may not be, and he rewards. Number three, we're looking at a profile of a life that God rewards, self-denial in God's service. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Self-denial. In the 19th century, 1800s, David Livingstone had explored Africa in order to open it up to the gospel. In 1857, he addressed the students at Cambridge University, challenging them to at least consider leaving the privileged life in England and going to other places with the gospel. Here's what he said in that address. I've never ceased to rejoice that God appointed me to such an office. People talk of the sacrifice that I have made. Is that a sacrifice which brings its own reward and helpful activity, doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? Away with the word in such a view and with such a thought. It's no sacrifice. It's a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger now and then with a foregoing of some conveniences of this life may make us pause, but let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us and for us, he said, I have never made a sacrifice. He understood the profile of a life that God rewards. Here's the fourth thing, serving anyone, anyone in need in the name of Jesus. Jesus said in Mark 9, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. So there's all kinds of opportunities to serve, a lot of you are already doing that, maybe most of us here this morning, serving in some way. Many kinds of services outside of the church. There are many ministries and ways to serve inside the church and to the church. Thinking right now in the nursery, there been, there's, there been, there's a family back there been changing diapers in the nursery going on four generations deep. They're lifers. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 51. They shall not all sleep, but they shall all be changed. That's a golden oldie right there. The life that God rewards. Suffering for God's name and reputation. Jesus said in Luke 6, Blessed are you when people hate you, exclude you, insult you, and reject your name as evil because the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. I was reading just this past October in the Alliance Defending Freedom newsletter about a woman in Nigeria, her name is Deborah Samuel, a college student, dragged out of her class stoned to death in Nigeria because she had posted on an internet message board that Jesus was her Lord and Savior. Fifty people in Nigeria, 50 Christians killed on Easter Sunday by gunmen going into the church. Churches are firebombed. 
4,650 Christians martyred in Nigeria, thousands more kidnapped. This past year alone, Nigeria is the most dangerous place in the world right now to be a Christian. More martyrs there than any other country put together, Christian martyrs. Why would anyone be a Christian in Nigeria? Because they're looking at a reward that is yet to come. Sacrifices made for Christ. This is number six. Luke 6, 35, Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back, and then your reward will be great. Suffering, sacrifices, some of these things come in our own family sometimes. There's pushback, there's enmity, there's, there's a lack of fairness, maybe meanness. We can realize, this is one of the things that we can realize when that happens, hey, this is an opportunity for me, not to respond in kind but to pray for those who persecute me, to turn the other cheek, to do good and overcome evil with good. All of those in our families, in our relationships, we're not persecuted here in America, but in our relationships we may indeed have opportunities to earn a reward because we respond in a countercultural way to these things in our lives. Seventhly, seventh and final S here is sharing your time, talent, and treasure. This comes from the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 6.18. He writes, command them to do good. And when he says them, of course, in the context, as you probably know, he's writing there about wealthy Christians, rich Christians. We just substitute, command rich American Christians to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Do not die with a big fat savings account. Give that money away. Invest it in the kingdom. Don't give it to your kids. They don't care. I'm sure all the kids this morning here, they don't need an inheritance. Your faith is all the inheritance they need. Give it to the Lord. Give it to the kingdom. One person said my motto is, may the last check bounce. I might have to die by Tuesday if that was my motto. All right. We're asking and answering three questions. So those, those were the first two. Here's the final question. Why does God reward? Why does God reward? Now, I'm sure some people this morning may be thinking, oh, Steve, is this even appropriate? Should we really be talking about rewards? This all sounds so mercenary. Shouldn't we just be totally altruistic in our service of God? I'm, I'm just going to be happy and relieved to be in heaven. I don't even need to think about all these rewards. I'm just going to serve God out of gratitude. And that's understandable. I don't think it's necessarily an either or. It's more like a both and. Years ago, I wrote a little book called Sermon Starters Based on the Life of David. It was for standard publishing. They had assigned me uh, David. It's a book mainly for preachers. You got 30 sermon outlines in there. Life of David. So, of course, one of my sermons was on David and Goliath. And I wrote in that sermon outline how David was motivated to kill Goliath for the reward. And there's an there editor, of course, and he, he read the manuscript, and he pushed back. He emailed me, Steve, I know that story. There's nothing in there about rewards. David was motivated because of his love for God. What are you talking about? So I sent him the chapter and verse. 1 Samuel 17, 25. Did you realize this? Look at this. Have you seen the giant the men asked? Now, these are the soldiers in the Israelite army who have been cowering before the Philistines for months now. and They're, they're talking to David who's just showed up. Have you seen the giant? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He'll give that man one of his daughters for a wife 
and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. Tax exempt for life. David asked the soldier standing nearby, what? What will a man get for killing this Philistine? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yeah, that's the reward for killing him. And then David said, who is this Philistine defying the armies of the living God? I'll take him on. That's what I sent to the editor. He printed it as written, and the rest is publishing history. <laughs> Did David love God? Yes. Was he fighting the giant for the glory of God and the name of God? Absolutely. But it wasn't either or. He was, he was interested in the reward as well. Are we, are we allowed to say that part out loud? Are we allowed to be motivated by the rewards? Well, Jesus taught about them. He taught about him. He seemed to think that it was important. Let me show you one more verse that maybe can help us out with this. Hebrews eleven six, The Hebrew writer says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to God must believe two things. One, that he exists. Two, that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. That he rewards... We must believe this about God, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's not mythos, it's not epididymi, it's a combination of both those words in that verse. It's the only place this word, rewarder, appears anywhere in the Bible is in this verse. It's mythos, epididymi combined. He pays the wages and he pays back those who earnestly seek him. Now, again, in America, we don't have much persecution. I'm not saying there's not opportunity to, to suffer and to suffer loss for the kingdom, but not like the people that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And if we, are, if we were to live in those kinds of circumstances where we're suffering property loss and financial loss and family loss and some people are dying as martyrs, this might be a lot more important to us and motivating to us to understand everything we lose, sacrifice, surrender, and give up to God. He's noting it. He, he pays note. And he's going to reward it. He's going to reward it. You know, we had, have had trunk or treat here. Some of us have participated in trunk or treat uh, in October as an alternative to Halloween. A few years ago, I was doing that too. I had my trunk out there all decorated. And a lot of us would have games and the children would come by, and they would play the game, and when they got the game right, then they'd get the candy. And mine was like that. I had that little fish game where the fish are in the pond, and they, there's a battery-operated pond, and it goes around and around, and the fish, you're opening their mouth like that, and you got the fishing pole with a magnet on the end of it, so they have to time it just right to catch the fish. And so they catch the fish, and I give them the candy. They catch the fish, I give them the candy. A lot of the kids, no problem. They get in there and catch the fish some. We're younger. They didn't have that eye-hand coordination yet, and they just couldn't get it. The line's back and way up behind them. And so I had to help. I'd help them. I'd take the pole, and I'd put the magnet over there and help them to catch the fish. Some of them, I just turned the battery off, stopped the fish. I opened the fish's mouth. Here, get the fish. Because I wanted to give them the candy. I had all this candy in the truck. I don't need to take all that candy home. I want to give the candy. Just give me something to work with. And we say, why does God reward? Because that's the kind of God he is. Not only does he want to give us the gift of salvation, he wants to heap on us when we get to the other side. He wants to heap on us reward, treasure. We just want to give him something to work with. As we think through these things, this is the kind of life that he's looking for. 
We're giving him something to work with so he can express the generosity of his heart. Mel Fisher lost a son in search of that galleon, the Atocha. Boat accident, boat goes down, his son drowned. He lost a son in search of treasure. You know, our Father God in heaven, he didn't lose a son, but he gave a son. He sacrificed a son so that we could have that precious gift of eternal life. And on top of that, an opportunity to earn precious rewards as well. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, today we recognize that you are a generous God. As you said in one of the parables of Jesus, hey, if I want to be generous, what is that to you? Why should you object to that? Lord, we recognize your generosity today. Just in sending your son Jesus out of love, for you so loved us that you sent your one and only son. If any of us believe in him, we will not perish but have everlasting life. We do believe. We will not perish. and We do have everlasting life. And Jesus was willing to come out of love for you and love for us, not considering equality with you something to be grasped, but in humility, emptying himself, taking the form of a slave, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross, dying and paying the price for our sin, rising from the grave and conquering death. We want to be like Jesus. We want to know the power of his resurrection. We want to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. We want to become like him in his death to sin. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead and the reward of the righteous. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.